Welcome back to The Word Encounter, and this is episode 200. Wow, 200 episodes of The Word Encounter. However, I doubt that very seriously that we're going to make it to episode 300. I think we're going to fall far short of 300 uh, by the time The Word Encounter series has concluded. Uh, We left off in Luke chapter 8 yesterday, so let's pick it up in Luke chapter 9. And it says, commissioning the 12, and we covered this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 15, in episode 182 of the Word Encounter. Uh, The key verses I've got is verse uh, 1 and 5. It says, summoning the 12, he gave them power and authority over, over all the demons and to heal diseases. So we see that uh, Jesus not only uh, sent the disciples out to perform works, he also empowered them to do the works that they were called to do. It says he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And so uh, he didn't send them out there blind and naked, okay? He sent them out there with the weapons to actually uh, wage the warfare with. In verse 5, it says, if they do not welcome you, uh, when he's, he's sending them out and he's saying, if you go to town, if they do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake the dust, dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so, you know, again, the, the, the word, the gospel is not to be shoved down anybody's throat. You know, that's not what we're to do. I know a lot of times people accuse Christians of doing that. And in fact, uh, we do do that. And that is not a biblical pattern. We are not to do that. If people don't want to receive, we leave. You know, and Jesus is saying, look, if they're not going to listen to the word from you, then shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them, as a testimony that they didn't want to hear about it and move on to the next town. You know. So let's drop down here to um, feeding the 5,000, which we which we've covered in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21 in episode 184. The key verse um is 17. We drop down to verse 17. It says, everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. And so if you recall, Jesus had just uh, gotten through preaching and teaching to the crowd and it got late and they were hungry. And Jesus uh, commissioned the, the disciples to feed them and said, Lord, we don't have any food. How are we going to do this? He says, what do we have? We got a couple pieces of bread and a couple fish. Bring them here. So he blessed them. The food was multiplied. Everybody was fed, and there was left over. In other words, God had provided more than enough. (laughs) That is usually the case. He provides us more than enough of what we need for the given task at hand. Peter's confession of the Messiah in verse 18. And we covered this in Matthew chapter 16. Verses 13 through 20 in episode 185 of The Word Encounter. Um, Matthew has more details uh, than was presented here in Luke. And we drop down to verse 20. It says, but you, he asked him, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. So uh, Jesus, uh, you know, asked his disciples, you know, who do the people say that I am? And they said, John the Baptist, this or that, Elijah. And they said, but who do you say that I am? (laughs) And Peter said, you're the Messiah. And Jesus goes on to say, don't tell anybody this yet. This isn't the time for this to be revealed. And he also says that on this rock, I will build my church, you know. And so on this rock, I believe it's on this revelation that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and is Lord is the revelation that he would build his church on. It says in verse 21, his death and resurrection predicted 
Uh, we covered this in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23, episode 185. And again, uh, it's more detailed in Matthew. It says in verse 22, It is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things uh, and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, uh, be killed and raised on the third day. And so Jesus warned his disciple three times uh, what was about to come. And uh, certainly they had no idea what he was talking about, but he was preparing them, uh, at least in word, for what his mission was, what he was going to suffer. And of course, they have, as time went on, they had grown to love this man. They didn't want to see anything come, uh, come, anything bad come to him, you know. And so this is a very tough thing for them to hear about. Take up your cross in verse 23. Uh, we went over this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, verses 24 through 28 in episode 185 of the Word Encounter. I've got here the key verses of verse 23 and 26. And it says, he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Not take up his cross occasionally, but take up his cross daily. In other words, um, uh, those things uh, that are uh, a desire, that you have a desire for, that are not in congruence with the things of the Lord, that are in fact not in congruence with the things of God, things that you should not be doing and whatnot. But there's this desire, there's this tem temptation in you uh, to have it or to do it or, or to whatever. Uh, that's a part of picking up your cross daily, denying yourselves those things that are not righteous, that are not holy, that are not from God. Deny yourself daily, every day. Don't succumb and follow Jesus. It says in verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the father and the holy angels. See, So Jesus is saying, look, if you deny me in public, if you deny that you know me, if you deny that you follow me, if you, you know, uh, want people to think that you're not one of those Jesus freaks or one of those Christian types or whatever, that's a form of denying him. And he's saying, if you deny me, then when it comes time, I'm going to deny you before my father. See, and the holy angels, you're going to be out there all by your own. And I'm going to deny you because you thought it was more important to be accepted by the people in your day and time, you know, and not wanting to offend anybody, not wanting to let everybody know that you were in fact a follower of Jesus. And so if you deny me during that, I'm going to deny you in the future. The transfiguration in verse 28, we covered this in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13, episode 185, and I believe the key verse is verse 29, and it says, As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. And so transfiguration, the word means, you know, to transform something into what it is, into something that is more radiant, more brilliant, more glorious, more beautiful. And so that's a transfiguration. And so Jesus was transfigured right before uh, uh, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. <clears throat> they witnessed this. And then they also witnessed Elijah and Moses. Moses joined him and they were conversing. And so they, they saw this transformation or this transfiguration take place. Mm. Let's see. The power of Jesus over a demon. Drop down to verse 37. It says, uh, we, uh, well, we covered this in Matthew chapter 17, verses uh, 14 through 20 in episode 185. 
and I believe a key verse is verse 40. And so uh, what happened, uh, a man had a son who was demon-possessed, but the disciples couldn't drive him out. He says in verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. <laughs> and, and so then afterwards, you know, dis, the disciples asked Jesus, this is, and so Jesus drives out the demon, and the, the disciples ask him, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus tells them, because you didn't have any faith, or your faith was little, you know, too little. The second prediction of his death. And um, let's... Uh, Verse 44, it says, let these words sink in. The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. He's telling, <clears throat> excuse me, again, he's telling his disciples what's about to happen the second time. And in verse 45, it says, but they did not understand this statement. See, so Jesus is telling them he's about to be betrayed and handed over to, to men uh, in order to be killed and crucified. And uh, but in verse 45, it says, but they did not understand this statement. This is a, the disciples didn't understand. It was concealed from them so that they could not grasp it, grasp it. And they were afraid to ask about it. See, and so it, it, this, this makes it sound like that it was purposely hidden from them. And so they couldn't do anything about that if something is concealed from you and you don't know about it. But it says that they were afraid to ask about it. They had been traveling around with Jesus and performing miracles, and, and they were in awe of him, of course. But they were afraid to ask him, what does this mean? You know, and so, you know, I, I think that sometimes we get intimidated in the presence of things like this. You see, and, and, and we're afraid of what might come our way or what might not come our way. But I think that... Uh, it seems that at this time, there should have been uh, a, a trust built up between the disciples and Jesus such that they would not be afraid to ask, but they were. Who is the greatest in verse 46? Uh, we covered this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6 in episode 186 of the Word Encounter. Key verses, verse 48, says he told him, Whoever welcomes uh, this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For whoever is least among you, this one is great. And so remember uh, that the disciples were arguing of who was going to be the, the greatest in, in Jesus' kingdom. They're, they're thinking of a man-made kingdom, and Jesus has to turn their thinking upside down. You know, the greatest doesn't mean there are minions under you and you're controlling them and telling what them to, telling uh, them what to do and bossing them around and all that. That's not what greatness is. Jesus is trying to get across to them that whoever is humble, see, whoever is the humblest, whoever serves the most people, that is the greatest one. That is the greatest one. In his name, in verse 49, we find this in Mark chapter 9. Verse 39, verses 38 through 41, episode 194 of the Word Encounter. Key verse to me is verse 50. It says, don't stop him, Jesus told him, because whoever is not against you is for you. This, this was uh, uh, the disciples uh, had come across a guy who was driving out uh, demons and healing people in Jesus' name, and they wanted to stop him because he wasn't a part of them. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, you don't understand. You know, if he's not against you, he's for you. Let him do his thing. Journey to Jerusalem in, in verse uh, 51. 
When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him. The Samaritans did not welcome him because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. The, Jerusalem, the, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. There were racial and theological differences between the two groups. They did not get along. And so the Samaritans didn't allow him to stop there. In verse uh, 54, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down the fire from heaven to consume them? (laughs) Lord, do you want us to destroy them? Verse 55, but he, being Jesus, turned and rebuked them. He rebuked James and John, and they went to another village. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I came to heal. I didn't come to destroy folks. I came to heal. And so uh, following Jesus in verse 57, he says, as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And then in verse 58, Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds uh and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. And so in other words, Jesus said, look, you can follow me, but it's not convenient. He says, foxes, you know, foxes have dens, uh, birds have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. This is what's ahead for you. This is the kind of life you're going to live if you follow me. See, it's not going to be convenient. Then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, um, Matter of fact, I'm going to read uh, out of the out of the Passion translation for for this one because they give a good uh, a good uh, translation here. Let me see. This is verse 60. Let me go to the Passion translation, and it says, "Jesus told him, don't wait for your father's burial. Let those who are already dead wait for death. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere that God's kingdom has arrived." And so. <laughs> This man, he wanted to wait. Uh, he wanted to go um, uh, with his father and whatnot. There may have been an inheritance waiting for him. There had made a, may have been some other uh, earthly things waiting for him. And so this is what he wanted to do. And Jesus is saying, like, no, 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 no. Let those who are dead, in other words, let those who are spiritually dead, let them bury their own. But you come now. You follow me. And so, you know, that would be a very, very hard word for a lot of people to hear and a lot of people to obey, as a matter of fact. And so let's go on. Verse 61. Another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go say uh, goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to them, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, let's go here to the Passion Translation. Uh, This is verse 62 in the Passion Translation, and it says, Jesus responded, uh, responded, why do you keep looking backward to your past and have second thoughts about following me? When you turn back, you are useless to God's kingdom realm. See, Jesus is saying, it sounds like you want to go forward, but you keep looking back. See, you, you, you're, no, you're no use to me when you do things like that. Again, That can be a tough thing to follow. Let's go on to chapter 10. It says, sending out the 72. Now, a lot of times when we think of Jesus and his 12 disciples, we don't think of others, but it says he sent out 72 here. 
chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So we see here that Jesus is saying that the harvest is ripe. In other words, there are a lot of people out there that, that will be, uh, would be willing to commit themselves in their lives to the Lord Jesus if they just heard the true gospel. See, it says the, the harvest is ripe. There are a ton of people like that out there. But their perception of the kingdom of God, their perception of Christ and, 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 and being a Christian is wrong, mainly because they've been witnessing wrong examples. We have not been true in our uh, exampleship, if there's such a word, of what it means to be Christ-like. And so they see this, they get turned off, they see hypocrites, hypocrisy, they see other things that they don't like, backbiting, fighting, you know, jealousies, and this. they say, why would I want to become a part of that? Well, see, we're not accurately representing what's in the Word. We're not accurately representing what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of God, and, and therefore, when people see what we do, they don't want any part of it. And so the, the, the harvest field is ripe, but the workers, ones who can deliver a true picture of the kingdom of God, a true unfiltered gospel, the word says that those workers are few. And if that's us, we need to be a part of that uh, workforce. And if we need to, to clear some things up in our heads and in our lives, then we need to do so. And we need to do it immediately because the harvest is ripe. It says in verse 4, don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, say first, peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. So this sounds like peace is something that you can give. See, peace is something that you can give somebody or you can take it back. And so in, in the true gospel, uh, that should be a word of comfort to people, and it should be, bring uh, peace to their lives. But if they don't want to take it, just take that peace back. In verse 7, remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. See? Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, here's a tough one, Eat the things they set before you. Now, for, I know a lot of missionaries that go to other countries and whatnot, and they get things put before them that they can't even recognize, let alone want to put in their mouths. But the word says, whatever the people offer you, eat the things they set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we are wiping off the dust, of, uh, the dust of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. So it's saying again, if you're going to a town and they reject the message, knock the dust off your, shoe, uh, off your shoes or your feet, and it's a pronouncement against them, and keep on trucking, keep on moving. Jesus says, I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Unrepentant towns, woe to you, Corzon, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were done in you, for, for if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, 
they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon um, at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Whoever listens to you listens to me. So he's talking to us too. Whoever listens to me, you know, Mike, listens to Jesus, if I am in fact being a true oracle of the Lord. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Now, this is a tough one because a lot of times we don't like rejection. We take on rejection. And so if people are rejecting the word of God, we feel like that they're rejecting us. And so it becomes tough sometimes to deliver the word of God for fear that you're going to be rejected. But Jesus is saying here, whoever rejects you actually rejects me. They don't reject you. They reject me because I sent you. And whoever rejects me, this is Jesus talking, whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Whoever, whoever rejects me, Jesus, rejects God the Father. So if they reject you, this is Jesus talking, they really reject me, Jesus, and if they reject me, they really reject my Father. The return of the 72, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus is correcting um, their priorities and their perspectives. It's tremendous that the demons uh, obey you, that you have driven them out of people. And that is worthy of celebration. However, there is something greater than that, that your name is written in heaven. That is the important thing. The son reveals the father. Mm. It says at that time, um, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Now let's read this in the Passion, because I think it, um, it, it, it's in more current language. It says, then, then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy, exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority. The authority he's talking about is driving out the disciples, driving out demons. He says, um, uh, you have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and you have shared it with these uh, who humbled themselves. Yes, Father, uh, this is what pleases your heart and the very way you've chosen to extend your kingdom to give to those who become like trusting children. Father, you have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully knows the Father except the Son, but the Son is able to introduce and reveal the Father to anyone he chooses. Okay. Let's keep going. In verse 23, it says, Then turning to his disciples, 
uh, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things you see, but didn't see them to hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. So he's telling the, uh, the disciples, look, look, you need to understand something here. You need to understand how critical what it is you're witnessing is. People died to see what you're seeing and hear what you're hearing. The parable of the Good Samaritan in verse 25. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, this is the, um, um, the Pharisee, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus looked up, uh, Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going, uh, and this is presumed to be an Israelite man, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The priest saw what happened to this man. He went to the other side of the road and kept walking. Verse 32, in the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. Uh, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. So a priest and a Levite went to the other side and passed this man. But a Samaritan, the despised Samaritan on his journey, came up and went, uh, came up. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine, uh, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. See, this Samaritan didn't even know this guy. He's taking care of this guy. He didn't know him. Right? Verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37. Uh, the, the Pharisee says, the one who showed him, the one who showed mercy to him. These, uh, Jesus then told him, go and do the same. Mary and Martha, verse 38. While they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her, her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she came up and asked, uh, Lord, don't you don't you care that my sister has left me <laughs> to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. <laughs> so Martha's doing all this work. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha gets upset because she's doing all this work. And from her perspective, Mary is doing nothing. So she tells Jesus, Lord, tell her to get her behind up and tell her to come help me. In verse 40, uh, 41, the Lord answered Mary or Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But the one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus tell her, tells her Mary is doing the right thing because we've seen from other scriptures, she's not going to have me very much longer. See, you're being busy and whatnot because you're thinking that that's important, but she is tending Mary is tending. She is at the feet of Jesus. She is getting imparted to. 
She is in the presence of the Lord. You're flittering around in the kitchen doing all kinds of things. She's in my presence. When you're in the presence of Jesus, your life changes. Period. With that, we're done today. Speaking of being in the presence of Jesus, the invitation is always going out as presented in Romans chapter 10, verse 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, it says you will be saved and you will not be put to shame. What does Jesus being Lord even mean? That means that you are committed your life to live your life in a manner in which is presented to us in the word to represent the kingdom of God, to live righteously, to live holy, to spread the gospel, to not be ashamed of Jesus, and to recognize that his word is the authority on earth. Everybody stay safe, be blessed, take care, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And should he not come between now and tomorrow, we'll see you in episode 201. Bye-bye.